This is Rocky Snyder. At the tone, leave your name and message and I'll get back to you. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. Files, uh, yes, Rocky Snyder here, season four fully in swing, and I say that kind of intentionally, swing as in golf swing, because this week I have got Ryan Chubb, who is down in Santa Monica, Southern California. He's been following the coursework of anatomy and motion for many years, and how he applies it is to training golfers. So we're just going to get right into it. Ryan, welcome. Come on on the show. I appreciate you having me, Rocky. I'm I'm honored to be one of the one of the anatomy and motion guys that you got brought on here. Well, I gotta say the reason why is not because you're just uh, more handsome than me, but uh, because you un, you have have taken the flow motion model and applied it to golf. And you and I have both been through, I believe, the Titleist Performance Institute. You went through yep. a little bit of that, right? So yep. we're both certified golf fitness professionals with Titleist down in Oceanside. And for those not familiar with it, just go to Golf TV and, and look for uh, Dr. Greg Rose and Dave Phillips. They've got a show there and, and, and right down in their location in Oceanside. It's just, you know, what every golfer's dream is, is to go to Titleist Performance and get your, gl your club fitting and three-dimensional analyzation of or analysis of your golf swing, your long game, your short game, your everything. They'll take the cameras out onto the course and back and forth. But... Well, that, that was fine and good. I, I know that you specialize in golfers, so golfers flock to see you. I've got to tell you, though, I do not. And here's the, here's the reason why is I've got a, I've got a, little, a, a, a little thorn in my side about golfers because I thought coming back from such things like Titleist and telling people that, yeah, I train golfers, I pick apart your swing mechanics and analyze this and that, and we can put together a program. Well, I had a golfer come in and he was loving it. And I thought he would refer his friends over, but he didn't. And, and I was like, why do you do that? Because you're my secret weapon. Yeah, That's what he said. Get, yeah. I am, I'm not going to share any of my secrets with my friends because I want to beat them on the course. So how you do this is we can talk about that a little bit later, but what I really want to get to know is uh, that's why I don't train golfers, by the way, uh, tennis players. That's a different story. Tennis, handball, any other kind of rotary sports, they flock and they tell their friends because without a partner in tennis, you're just hitting a ball against the wall. What's the fun in that? But golf no. That's no. a good point. Anyway, yeah. So how did, how did this all come about that you took anatomy in motion course? How did you find out about Gary and for that matter, Chris, and then decide that this is something that I want to kind of infuse into the work that I'm doing? So like most trainers and therapists, when they get into the field, they probably have their own problems and they're looking to solve their own problems and they dive into research and try and understand themselves. So I was actually in a lot of pain when I would work out and that isn't supposed to be the outcome of working out. You're supposed to be getting better. So, um, I stopped working out. I was doing a lot of the traditional bodybuilding at the time. It was probably 18 years ago at, the, at 
probably when I started working out and lost 20 or so pounds, but the pain didn't really go away. So I restarted getting online and researching and I stumbled across neurokinetic therapy with David Weinstock and immediately took his course, got a lot from it. And when I was accepted into the online forum with, from the NKT online forum on Facebook, one of the first things I stumbled across was Gary and Chris, because they were, I believe I had just missed, I took NKT probably two weeks before, I believe your first course with Gary and in San, uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was San Francisco at the time. Yeah. And I was following everything that you guys were posting on the Facebook forum. And there's something about the way he was communicating the body that just, I had to learn from him. And I did a, I believe it was a study group probably three weeks after the NKT course where uh, Jordan Terry kind of led the study group. And he was talking about the glute lengthening before it contracts, which I had never heard of before. I'm like, what, what, where, where do you get this information from? And he said, Gary Ward, have you had it? Have you seen his book yet? And he took it out of his backpack and showed it to me. And I went and ordered it that night. And I'd probably read it three or four times before the following year. And that's where you and I met. Um, I think you came in maybe a couple of days as the course was going out. That was back when it was two separate weekends. Right. And I didn't, I've told Gary this, but I didn't even know what the talus bone was when I took the course or plantar flexion, dorsiflexion. I could not tell you any of the joint mechanics or, or the names for them or the joint motions, but I understand the philosophy of it. So the first couple months learning the, the philosophy or not the philosophy, but the actual joint motions was extremely difficult, but just kept studying. And then I, as, as the, as I progressed through, I eventually started to understand it. And once I understand the joint motions, the philosophy kind of connected with the mechanics. Um, and that was probably close to five or six years now. Um, and then, as you know, I've taken the course seven or eight times since then and have gotten pretty close to Gary and Chris. And now like we all, we all, we call them friends now. Yeah. Friends Very and nice mentors. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And so you were you training golfers specifically six years ago or so, or when did that come into place? So I actually had my own facility when I took the AIM course in Burbank, California. And I had the general population, um, which I loved, love to work with. Um, but as you know, there's getting people motivated to do things is always the struggle. And I always wanted to work with sports performance and athletes. And there was an opportunity. Um, there was a, another trainer that was hired by urban golf prior to me, Evan Flock. And he took anatomy in motion 
Uh, I think he took it in New York, but the same year that you took it. So he posted uh, in the forum, we're looking for part-time trainers at a golf performance facility. And there was my opportunity. And so I bid on it and I immediately reached out to him. We met because he wanted somebody that thought the same, the same philosophies. And that's why he reached out in the community. So I came in, interviewed, and it went from part-time to offered me a full-time position. So I made the difficult decision of slowly closing my business and joining Urban Golf Performance um, full-time and then growing their brand, our brand, um, instead of working for, my, for myself. So it was a hard decision, but looking back on it, it was, it was the right thing to do. Okay. So I definitely want to get into that, but going back to the workshops, like to, to the anatomy and motion courses, they, they were broken up into, you know, uh, levels one and two apart and yeah. then three and four come later. What, what was it? Can you, can you pinpoint some moments in time where you just said, Oh, holy cow. This is actually what I'm, I'm needing, what I've been looking for. This fills in uh, a missing piece or however it was that, that really adhered you to the, the education, the philosophy, the approach, and so on. So I literally scraped Gary's Facebook from the, his first post to his last post. And I think it was the amount of, it was the intention he put in his descriptions when he wrote something out that first caught my eye. You were stalking and him? It, yeah, I stalked him for sure. But I, I had to get to the root of where he was coming from and really understand what he was talking about or why he was talking about it. And a lot of the information out there, you just read from a book and the assumption is that it just works, but it never really does. At least in my experience, it never really did. And the way he had, the way he had such intention of the actual bone motion and all the joint motions in three, three dimensions, it just something it was more of me putting it inside my body too. Even reading from his Facebook, I would try it and go, oh, I haven't felt that muscle before. Or the whole center of mass shifting really made sense to me instead of just like laying on a bench and pressing or pulling, which can still be done. But there was, some, there was a reason why I was in pain and the things that I, were, I was doing wasn't helping in the long run. Gotcha. And when I would try and do some of the things he had online, I'd feel a different experience in my body than I previously had. And you get the same, I feel light. Um, the tension in my hips would decrease. And it's some kind of repatterning in the body that I never felt before. And when you get that, that kind of hope, you just want to, you just want to keep diving down that route. Um, and then on the seminar, when he said, 
Um, we were going over joint motion. You know, there's, there's concentric, eccentric, and isometric. Um, when, when he said that a muscle doesn't ever lengthen. And I was like, well, that's, that's not true. And then as he was explaining how the muscle is always contracting, it's just the joint moves faster than the contraction can handle. It just blew my mind. And from then on, even though I was already hooked with the philosophy, it, that just entrenched me even deeper because this, it made me realize that Gary, Gary was thinking just a little differently than from what I was learning from. Right on. All right. And then you just started following the rabbit down the hole. Couldn't get enough. I've been asking every single guest almost uh, about the hundred day challenge and putting them on a spot here. And I want to know, did you do the hundred day challenge and filling out the blank flow motion model chart a hundred days in a row? Did I do it? Absolutely. Yeah. Did I finish it? No. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. You're the first one actually that has answered yes out of everybody so far. Did you finish it? Well, that was okay. But let's talk about that for a second because I found so much by doing this 100 day challenge that I really encourage everybody to do it. Yes, it is a commitment. And yes, you start out very slow with it. But by the end, toward the 100th day, uh, it, it's not taking you nearly as long and you've probably pursued the patterns of different bone structures or joints across the, the cycle or in different ways. But what did you, was there anything as you were doing the 100 day challenge, did anything really pop out at you and go, oh my gosh, I, that's amazing. I had no idea. Anything? Um, not really. It would, what I got from it was I don't do well sitting down and writing things. What I needed to do was stand up and almost run through it box by box in my body. And obviously I've had some conversations with Gary and Chris on the side and um, even, I know I'm sidestepping here almost back to what got me into anatomy and emotion so deep. I even would re I didn't even take level three and I would message Gary and say, I'm feeling this. Does the, when I rotate my calcaneus, it goes in the same direction as my, as my pelvis. And he's just like, that's level three. And you know, you're really, you're really locking into this. Um, so feeling things in my body was, was what I got out of it. And um, what I started to see the patterns that I know Chris says it a lot, that there's not a lot of things that actually happen in the body if you just understand the principles of it and the, and the big patterns. So the foot supinates in the, in the three phases. And once you have that one pattern locked down, then you can kind of block out the three phases there. So that Great was way of thinking about it. kind of the one thing that, that really stood out for me was just blocking out the the blocks into patterns so then you really only need to memorize it once instead of filling it out five or six times and then what i found myself doing was just writing it out instead of really understanding it mm. so i was just er 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 
Yeah. You know, and then not actually feeling what was happening. Good point. Good point. So now let's carry it into the golf swing. So obviously, if I didn't mention it earlier, that the golf swing is the most analyzed sport motion in history. In terms of scientific documentation, there is more analysis on that one rotary movement than anything else, including a baseball pitch or swinging at the ball at home plate, anything, a quarterback's throw, it all pales in comparison to the golf swing. So it's not like it hasn't been explored, but you're taking a gate mechanic breakdown and applying it to golf. How did that, how did that turn out? Like, what was um, that all about? Not great at first. Tell me so, why. So I was hired at Urban Golf to be a trainer. And this was five or six months after my first course of anatomy and motion. So this is my experience. And I know it's some others that I tried to be like Gary and Chris when I went back to my profession and I found myself doing less and less training and more and more recovery type business. So, um, just a, a background of urban golf performance. Um, it's a holistic golf performance brand and I say holistic because we don't just look at the swing. We look at the person as a whole in every aspect of golf. So are you recovering? Are you eating well? What's your mental game about? We have a mental coach. Um, we have a recovery department, fitness department. And we also have indoor golf lessons as well as outdoor golf lessons. So we're, we're, we're big on how the body moves and how it delivers the club. And a lot of the industry is TPI is, is the backbone of this. So they, they started this and they gave the swing faults a foundation. Um, and there are a lot of coaches out there who think body first, uh, but there are also a lot of coaches out there that see the swing fault. So sway, reverse spine angle, over the top, casting, scooping as the problem. And a lot of coaches will try and find a solution to the swing fault problem. And there's where a lot of the, the, the overlaying of swing thought come from. Now and I know, I think where this is leading is you're going to say, you don't see it as a fault, but you see it as a solution, a, a negotiation or a strategy, which is a complete spin on how the rest of the industry is seeing it. Is that what you're about to tell me? Yes, the swing fault is actually the solution, right? And negotiation, I like that, I like that, I like that. I'm gonna start using that. I got and it from Chris, I, I did, I got it, I can't lie. Episode <laughs> two, negotiation. Can't wait to hear that. Bravo for you for getting them on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so the swing fault is actually the solution 
to a movement problem, whether it be a physical obstacle or just an awareness. So in our coaching philosophy, we'll, we'll use a lot of external cueing. So if someone can't deliver the club in a in the out club path for a right-handed golfer, they could place something in the way where they have to swing around it. And then they can achieve the in to out club path. But in that in to out club path, there are hundreds of joint positions that need to be achieved in order to get into that position. So there's where our assessment came in. So here's where I found myself doing a lot more movement based stuff which at the time we were trying to build this fitness department. So we were just starting the fitness department in that time. And I found myself doing more recovery based and I became more therapist type, but then I found myself missing the training, but I respect the fact that I had to do the recovery side and go back to the fitness side, but with recovery principles now, which was, which I just call the movement principles, the, the big patterns that I see in the gate cycle. So now I, now I, in my opinion, believe that fitness, at least in our, our business, fitness is an extension of recovery. So the reps, the intensity and the load changes, but the principles don't change. Great way of saying it. I love that. So yeah. now that I'm training again, I've taken the same movement philosophies back into the training. So in a long winded answer, there's where I struggled at first, understanding the golf swing from the coaching perspective, because I had all my opinions. So I had to have conversations with all our coaches and really understand the golf swing from a different perspective to try and understand that perspective. And then I can start educating from my perspective. So we're always having conversations with the coaches and our club builders and fitters and our mental coaches about that person's individual swing and game. It's kind of like having a collegiate program or a professional team around you, even for the amateur level. I like that. And you know, I, I love what you were talking about with the exercise and the recovery. And I see it as a, a spectrum, if we could, for every movement. And on the low end of the spectrum is, is where they struggle and where they need some type of assistance, speeding something up, slowing something down, giving them, giving them whatever they need to help to create that movement. And then we reduce the need for that assistance until they're completely unassisted and they're going through those movements, handling it against gravity with their own body weight in whatever position they are till they create a certain level of proficiency and then we can add load or resistance. So each movement, depending upon the person, I will have one person do 
movement A, and they'll be in, in this end of the spectrum in assisted. Uh, movement B, they'll be unassisted. Movement C, they're still assisted. Movement D, this is where they are really good and they need load and because they're proficient with that. And it's always this, are they an A, B, or C level and how far along can we progress them through it? So some of those movements are going to be closer to the recovery end of the spectrum while the other is going to be top loading performance like can i really shock their system at the other end so yeah kind of along the same line of what you're saying 100 percent, exactly that's yeah. exactly how we, we we approach the same thing and then we can look at the the positions those gate phases that will often put people in and boy they they really if i had a transparency of traditional exercises in in the fitness realm that there's several that look very similar to those positions. So that now I have an understanding of, okay, if this person is having a hard time rotating rib cage to the left, what kind of upper body actions will drive that rotation? And if they're rotating hard, if they're having a struggle rotating rib cage to the left, they may very well struggle rotating the pelvis to the right. And therefore, if I bring the left leg forward, that's going to feed that right rotation of the pelvis, which would encourage left rotation of the rib cage, which is, I'm sure that's kind of what we're talking about with you too. Yeah. So the, the golf phase is actually broken down into phases. So it's set up, take away, backswing, transition, follow, or impact and follow through. And you can actually probably break those down to interphases if you really wanted to, which I haven't done yet. Um, but to make it simplified, um, the way we look at it now is taking those phases and understanding what the body should be doing in these positions. And I'll start off by saying there are a million ways to swing a golf club, but we do know that there's better ways than most. And if we can remove some of those physical obstacles, give the body the, the normal human motion that it should have, then you can deliver the club better than before and easier than before and play the game a lot longer than you could have been doing swinging the club before. So certainly because the more efficient, the less energy and therefore your back nine, you're going to have more endurance. And it's usually the back nine that people are going to be faltering and fatiguing and exactly. so on, even if they're on a cart or they're walking. The curious thing that I'm, I, I'm, well, I'm interested in knowing is you break down the swing into different phases like the gait cycle, but does that change for chipping, for using a wedge compared to uh, a wood, like for the long drives compared to the short game or even the putter, or, or do you consider those phases pretty much the same? Pretty much the same, but different positions of it. So a wedge, your, your weight would already be on the lee side. So you would arguably still need those mechanics, just a different spectrum, like you were explaining earlier. But gotcha. for the most part, it's the same. And my job as the performance coach is to give them what they're missing. And then it's the golf coach's job to then use the new movement and integrate it into better patterns for well, golf. 
it's you brought up the mental coach. You have one guy on the team or one woman on the team who's the mental coach. I'm sure you probably got several, but and you're more of the biomechanic, the trainer. So you're dealing with a physical frame, but there's no way that we can completely separate. So my question is, how much do you see in the physical frame that you can relate in the mental terms to the mental coach. Do you know what I mean by that? Like when you look at a person's posture, you can tell certain things about maybe their personality and their characteristics just by how they hold themselves. And, and maybe like if you use a force plate and you see somebody's on their forefeet, there's this general sense that this person's literally on their toes. So they're yeah. ready to leap at any point in time compared to somebody that's stuck back in the rear feet where they're maybe more stubborn per se. Like I, I'm, I don't want to throw out these, these, um, these rules or laws or anything, but you get a sense if we can look at it in that type of way with that, that type of lens, when you're looking at somebody move or how somebody stands, do, do you carry on a conversation like that to the mental coach or anybody else on the team? Or do they just look at you and go, I'd stick with what you know and keep with the biomechanics. Oh no, we, we, we have very candid conversations and um, in the process of teaching all of our coaches, these movement principles. So when they see it in the swing, we're all on the same, we all have the same language. Um, we do have conversations uh, somewhat like that where um, not, not as, as deep as you just, had it where they're on their toes so they're always on their toes or their 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 heads down so uh go this route in the mental coaching the mental coaching is more um process than anything so the first question could be what's your pre-shot routine and if the player doesn't have a pre-shot routine then they're more likely they don't have structure and their intention in the shot might not would be what might not be what it could be. So, um, and as you know, we can change the way someone thinks about something and that could change the way they move. So yeah. there's definitely conversations and our mental coach, um, Rick Sessinghouse, um, he's amazing at what he does and him and I can have conversations about, someone's joint mechanics, he, he understands the golf swing as well. So he's not just a, a mental coach that works just on psychology. He understands the swing and he understands that the way someone's thinking about delivering the club could also change the way they move. So absolutely. It's, there's, there's an, always a conversation happening. If, um, that person is when that person is moving from coach to coach. Uh, speaking of conversations, like, do you have a conversation with a, an injured body part? Uh, and what I mean by that is, let's say you've got a golfer who took a significant fall uh, on their, their road bike and really bruised their hip several years before. And that hip has been living in that, in that episode for quite a long time, even though the rest of the body is traveling through to today and it is holding on. And do you, obviously getting a person to move 
and explore what's missing, you are really having a physical conversation with that body and understanding it is safe to go over here now. And we're going to teach you really get you to experience what it's like to get those mechanics back that have been missing for so long, but carrying it over, not to get too much into the mental aspect of things, but I'm kind of fascinated by it at the same time. It's like, do your mental coaches have that same kind of conversation with the golfer as to, hey, let's have a conversation with that hip in terms of your, 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 your reinforced or your reluctance on it, your, your feeling towards it in regards to safety or concern. Not to put you on the spot here, but I'm just curious, like the, the mental game can be so much with like the setup you say, there's, you see it in baseball players at the plate and they have a certain way that they, or the pitcher, and you see it on the PGA all the time. There's certain ways that they approach the ball and, and they set themselves up. But uh, that other aspect of the mental game is, do you have a conversation with that part of the athlete that, that they're holding on to those injuries. So tell me when, when every golfer comes in to urban golf, what, what, say that again. When a new client comes into urban golf performance, they go through a UGP assessment. And in that assessment, every person goes through a movement screen. So when we're able to, a trainer will do the movement screen but all the coaches understand the movement screen. So sometimes if all our trainers and recovery specialists are in session, they can't do it, then the coach will do it. But they understand the movement screen. And we go, go through injury history. It's almost the same as if it was an anatomy motion assessment. We wanna know the timeline, um, when the injuries happened, how they happened, because you know the, the position of the impact can influence the way someone's swinging or just moving through daily life. So we wanna know exactly what's happening or what's happened to the person. Um, and then after that first assessment is over, the first session that's booked is a recovery assessment where we go in, in more in-depth movement screen to see if there's any red flags. So here's where we'll do a very modified AIM movement screen where I'll check every joint, the knees, are they bending, are they extending? When you bend the knees, where's the center of mass go? Because as you know, the golf swing is all about mass management, every sport really, not just golf. Um, and if there's some physical obstacles, we create a program to try and remove those obstacles and we relate the movement screen to their swing falls. Gotcha. Right on. And so obviously you, you use something along the lines of anatomy and motion joint by joint. And then do you, and not that we have to deal with the phases, but do you often place people into suspension, propulsion, strike, shift, or transition and get them to explore those? Or is it going to be more golf specific positions that you're doing? most people coming into the facility want to feel like they're doing golf performance movements, which is completely understandable. And we still do them, but the way we look at it is, is there's prerequisites to every phase of the golf swing, no different than right suspension. We all know that the rib cage needs to be rotated to the right. So, 
when the center of mass is moving towards the front leg in the gait phase, the rib cage needs to be rotating to the right. Now, in the golf swing, when your weight is shifting to your right leg for a right-handed golfer in your backswing, your rib cage is definitely rotating right, but your pelvis is rotating to the right as well. So it doesn't map completely to it, but I guess you could argue because the rib cage is moving farther than mm -hmm. farther than the pelvis that you're still technically getting a left rotation, but you're getting a right hip internal rotation, which doesn't map with suspension phase. So there are a lot of similarities. So what I've done is mapped out patterns. Mm. So, and we've looked at the backswing no different than suspension phase. So we need left pronation mechanics. So left foot pronates, left knee bends, left femur internally rotates, left hip externally rotates and the pelvis moves away. Okay. And then the right foot would need supination mechanics, a right knee extending, but never don't straighten it. If anybody's listening out there, don't straighten the knee. Just it, it extends, but doesn't lock, which allows better hip internal rotation on the right side which pulls the pelvis to the right, which pulls the mass to the right. And then we would need right rotation of the thoracics, a left arm internal rotation and a right arm, right arm external rotation. And you've done enough of your cog classes in your own gym to know that when an, an arm internally rotates, it elevates and abducts flexes the spine and the opposite is true. An externally rotating arm will depress, retract and help rotate the ribs to the right. So if in the movement screen or even in video analysis in one of the bays, if someone's not loading their backswing, we will run through the checklist. Is the left foot pronating? Is the right foot supinating? Is the right hip internally rotating, left hip external, so on and so on. And if they aren't, we'll pull them away, test the joint. And if they're not able to, to move the joint, there's the physical obstacle. And then we can run the patterns from there. So it's, it took a while to get to this point, to be honest. Yeah. It took me a while to understand the gait cycle. But then when I understood it, and I understand the principles of how we analyze the gait, I'm like, what am I doing here? So I broke down the golf swing and it's been a lot easier. And now the whole team can speak the same language. That's great. Yeah. The, that logical progression actually takes a considerable amount of time to completely map out. I, I totally get that. And that's, that's really fascinating that you have that approach that you can take the flow motion model, combine it with the golf swing, knowing like tennis, uh, that, that pronated foot is actually not going to be matching with the knee mechanics in the same way we would find it is in gait. But there's going to be times where it needs to move in a different manner, but we can still hold on to the fundamental priorities. 
and then work from there. I'm curious, you mentioned the COGS. Do you offer any type of COGS classes to your clients or members or, or anything of that nature where they can just explore this opposition, especially like transverse plane COGS, where they're really getting familiar with oppositional rotation of the, the ribs and the pelvis, even though they both are kind of traveling at the same speed, there's still going to be a difference in speed or range of motion, however you want to call it. So I wouldn't say there's, there's classes per se, but uh, we have a, a program called Coach Now, which is a coaching app. And think of it as a Facebook feed for your development. So after your first assessment, we download the coach now app onto your phone and what you worked on that day and what the coach found and what the trainer found goes into your development plan. And a lot of those we'll call them called classes, um, go into that coach now so that they, they could do on their own. And when they come in, I would say 90% of what we do in the gym is, oppositional movement, making sure the center of mass is moving to one foot and being accepted on that foot. So here's where the recovery or fitness is an extension of recovery, where the principles that we look at in an assessment is the knee bending, is the pressure going to the, to the forefoot, is the knee extending, is the pressure going to the heel, directly integrate into a training session. Uh, so for instance, I'm working with a 74 year old lady um, who, who's a member at a country club, Riviera, and she was about to give up golf. I just found this out a couple weeks ago after working with her a couple months because she has, she has left knee pain. And asking her to take a couple swings and I put her on my force plate and left knee pain when she follows through. So you can probably figure out because just by basic. Does she have, does she have trouble supinating in that left foot? Yeah, so yeah. when I stood so her on the pressure plate, she had 30% of the left side on her forefoot. And when she tried transitioning into impact position, her knee stayed bent, her pressure went to her, into her knee and she would swing 80 times around. So it was just a lot of wear and tear on the knee. We just took those principles from recovery, moved it into the fitness department, into the gym, and did the same motion and just have her hold a medicine ball that was cable resisted, tell her to put pressure into heel, which was extremely difficult. And it allowed her to extend the knee and internally rotate it. She re internally rotated the hip and was able to transfer the weight onto her left side and the knee pain is almost decreased completely. So you, you have someone who is going to give up golf, expecting to do a golf specific movement, but we had to pull away from that, understand the mechanics, put in better mechanics, and then do the golf specific movement. Yeah. Love that. I, just coincidentally enough, I've got a guy that I just started training a few weeks ago, left knee pain, uh, right shoulder pain, and of course, yeah, overpronating into that left foot, 
can't truly supinate, can't get the pressure back, can't go into extension into that left knee and therefore the, the pelvis won't clear and, and rotate around. So he's been muscling through with his upper body and now his right shoulder is giving him trouble. We just started getting him to just, like you say, experience that pressure back in the heel. Can we give him a, a few different movements that are going to reinforce supination on that left foot? And now he's forgotten about the back pain that he had. His leg cramps at night have not occurred since the very first session. Amazing. And, and yeah, and he's, he's gaining more yardage on his, on his drive, but his short game is where he really is, is struggling and his shoulders feeling better. That's after taking a fall too, but, uh, right shoulder yeah, or the left shoulder, right shoulder, uh, blunt force trauma from a fall walking his dog. Oh, okay. And, uh, and it, so that's partly the reason there, but that's kind of clearing up too, but all of these play into each other. And it's, it's remarkable once you understand the joint relationships and how things should move, it just, it can reveal so much to you. And whether that's in a golf environment, everyday environment on the pitching mound or elsewhere on a surfboard for that matter, it's just, it, it's, it's great to take the same toolbox that you and I have learned and, and put the different tools that you have and that I have, and yet still be able to, to select when it's appropriate for this tool and that tool, and, and everything's encased in that in, in anatomy and motion. So Ryan, we're coming up to the end of the show here, but I, I wanna let the listening audience and viewing audience uh, know that if they are interested in improving their golf game, it, and uh, first of all, can they, can they contact you if they're in the Santa Monica, Southern California area? That, that sounds about right. But what about online? Are you seeing golfers from around the world? Oh, absolutely. We have guys flying. We're right by the airport. Oh, fabulous. Um, okay. LAX. And do you do online consultations or trainings? As of right now, we don't. Um, okay. It's something that we started to do. And we thought about doing when COVID hit. Um, but by the time we were trying to create that system, we were able to open back up. And the golf industry is absolutely booming right now. So we've had to focus on our three facilities right now because they're just at full capacity. We're actually, um, we have people on the waiting list for golf assessments. But what's, what's happening is now we're, we're still bringing people in through fitness and recovery and then integrating them into the golf later. So, and long-term they're actually getting probably what they need more before the golf lessons. But um, it's something that we're debating on doing in the future, but currently right now we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything online, but if somebody, I love nerding out about this stuff, but if somebody wants to send me, some videos and their back pain, and I'll be more than happy to um, schedule a, a consultation just based on this phone call or the Zoom call alone. Sure. So uh, the best way to get a hold of you and the the web address for for Urban Golf. So it's UrbanGolfPerformance.la. Um, usually, we're the only one around, so you, you type that in the first pop up or UGP. LA. Um, and then my personal email is R-I-A-N, Ryan, at UGP.LA. And if you want to reach out to me that way, that's probably the quickest way to get it done. And then we can set up something from there. 
Great. We'll put all that information in the description below and in the podcast platforms for sure. Well, my friend, this has been a really fun hour. I've, I've really learned quite a bit in consideration to rotary athletes and, and how you transfer the flow motion model onto it. The success that you have, I'm sure is just going to continue and uh, definitely wish you well. And, and I, my, my hope is, is that when the courses take place again, we will be in that back corner uh, observing and assisting and, uh, and smiling and, and hanging out. So that, that's my hope to you. If you'd like to find out more information about the Flow Motion Model, Anatomy and Motion Courses, or Gary Ward himself, pick up a copy of his book, What the Foot, at findingcenter.co.uk. And while you're at it, pick up a copy of my book, Return to Center, where I take the Flow Motion Model and apply it to strength, training, and conditioning. You can get a copy of that at rockysnyder.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.